0: Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio Middle of the week, it's February 28th, and we have one more day in February after this because it's a leap year. So you get an extra day in the month of February. Great to be with you on EWTN. We've got so much to talk about. Coming up after the news this morning, we have attorney John Bursch with us. So He's going to be continuing a conversation on his fantastic book published by Sophia, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. And it's very timely because this weekend in Ann Arbor, Michigan at Father Gabriel Richard High School. And by the way, these talks are going to be recorded, so we will let you know how you can grab them. Obviously, we know that uh, there's a limited amount of people in our listening audience in the Midwest that could attend this. But we want to let you know what is happening because it's something you can access. There's going to be a number of people addressing this issue. They do these wonderful symposiums every year. It's co-sponsored by Ave Maria Radio and Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And it takes place on Saturday morning, and it's just terrific. Al Cresta is there hosting and, of course, commenting, and so it's really, really well done. And then they record them so you can have access to them. But we are going to be allowing John to talk not only about his book, but what we're seeing right now with the whole transgender ideology and how do we deal with this. Our Archbishop in Detroit, Archbishop Al Vigneron, just put out a beautiful letter, an updated letter on dealing with this issue, and very similar to John's message of loving God's children how we love people, but then we love them enough to accompany them, but not accompany them off a cliff. I think that was a quote from Emeritus uh, Archbishop of Philadelphia, Charles Chaput. So, yes, you love them, and you recognize that they're confused or that they're struggling, but you don't automatically jump on board and then say, okay, start taking the puberty blockers. Let's schedule your surgery, which is so damaging and mutilating in so many ways, but you get them the help that they need. But the question is, how do you do that in a society now, and Dr. Ray and I were talking about this on the cruise, that is banning therapists, counselors, experts in this area from even discussing any other possibility then marching into these places to get the puberty blockers and then eventually the surgery. So how do we balance this? What do we do? And what is our responsibility? So we'll talk in general about that topic because there's some new things happening in the news, including a story that's out there this morning about an Indiana law that prevents medical providers. Now listen to the language here. And I mentioned this in my pro-life talk on Sunday. Providing gender-affirming care for minors is now in effect. So these surgeries... And we know so many people have testified about how much damage it had done to them to go ahead and go through this and how they were rushed through it. They call it gender-affirming care. The media took the memo, and they're running with it. It's the same thing, for example, when they talk about reproductive health care, a woman's quote-unquote right to choose, pro-choice, all those things. There's a very big meaning and effort behind the semantics. Don't let that get away from you. They pound it into us, and the media repeat it all the time. And many people just parrot that. Oh, gender-affirming health What the heck does that mean? What's healthy about damaging organs on a perfectly healthy person? Or giving them altering medications, I don't want to say medications, but pills or subscriptions that are going to do more harm than good and give them that so quickly before they even have a time to sit down and talk with someone about it, which has happened, by the way, in several locations overseas. And yet the United States, we just seem to go fast forward this stuff. Very dangerous. So I'm sure John will have a lot to say about this. And we join him, or he joins us, actually, at 15 minutes past the hour. Then we go to Rome, because it's a Wednesday, and we have the delight, as always, of speaking with the very well-informed Joan Lewis on all things Rome with the latest Vatican news. So that is the show for today on a Wednesday morning. I do hope you can stay for the entire hour. Weather-wise, there's some uh, wacky weather out there. Again, a very dangerous situations. Severe storms in the Midwest and the Ohio Valley. We actually had what they think is a tornado about an hour north of Detroit in an area known as Grand Blanc, which is near Lansing, Michigan, the central part of the state. And the western part of Michigan is getting hit pretty hard, too, as well as a number of other areas of the country. So we have severe storms capable of producing large hail, damaging winds, and tornadoes, some of which could be strong, will be possible in the Midwest and the Ohio Valley through this evening, and a strong winter storm continues to produce impacts across the West, including heavy snow, gusty winds, and rain. And then in Texas, we have the problem of critical fire weather continuing the panhandle and then moving into Oklahoma through tonight. So that's what it looks like weather-wise. Uh, and that is the rundown for today. As we mentioned, John Birch and... Joan Lewis on a Wednesday. Five minutes past the hour already. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN. Let's get started with the news. Catholic News Agency and the website if you want great information, catholicnewsagency.com. The President of the Pontifical Academy of Theology, Bishop Antonio Stalino, has reiterated the incompatibility of Catholics belonging to the Masons. This, after taking part in an event organized by the Italian Grand Orient Lodge, located in Milan. Celiano telling Vatican News that Freemasonry is a heresy that is fundamentally aligned with the Arian heresy, since it was Arius who he said imagined that Jesus was a great architect of the universe, the way Freemasons refer to God, denying the divinity of Jesus. He said the idea of the architect of the universe is incompatible with the Catholic faith because it is a fruit of human reasoning that tries to imagine a god, while the God of Catholics is a fruit of the very revelation of God in Christ Jesus. Well, Cardinal Raymond Burke this week inviting Catholics to join in praying a nine-month Novita seeking Mary's intercession beginning on March 12th and ending on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, December 12th. Catholic News Agency says the American Cardinal, who founded the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Wisconsin, did announce a prayer initiative in a video address posted over the weekend.
1: Nearly 500 years ago the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe changed the course of human history. Today, the hearts of Catholics around the world echo the same anxieties of 1531. And once again, the answer to this anxiety is not temporal but spiritual.
0: A novena, a traditional Catholic practice, usually consisting of a nine-day series of petitionary prayers, can also be much longer. And those who sign up to join Burke's novena will receive, via email, short video reflections from the Cardinal each month in addition to regular written reflections and prayers. For more information, just go to this link, novena.cardinalburke.com. Again, novena.cardinalburke.com. Brian Shook tells us Republicans are now asking the Biden administration for information on the suspect and the death of a Georgia student that occurred last week.
1: Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan and California Congressman Tom McClintock sent a letter to Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas pressing for more information on Jose Ibarra. Ibarra was arrested last week in connection to the University of Georgia campus murder of 22-year-old Lakin Riley. The Republicans are asking for more records of the suspect's immigration history.
0: Senator Ted Cruz of Texas is criticizing the president's visit to the border this week as nothing more than a photo op.
1: Joe Biden and the Democrats deliberately broke this system. They caused the highest rate of illegal immigration in history.
0: President Biden will be in the border town of Brownsville on Thursday where he'll meet with local leaders and Trump President Trump or former President Donald Trump also expected to visit that area, at least the border as well, but in a different location. In what appears, meanwhile, to be a major shift in policy and politics, the New York City Mayor Eric Adams is now endorsing changing the laws that made New York, as Andrew Whitman reports, a sanctuary city.
1: This, after migrants have been identified as suspects in several high profile crimes, Adams says he wants to change when the city can cooperate with federal ICE agents and begin deportations. Current city law forbids that unless an immigrant is convicted of a serious or violent crime. Adams wants to be able to call ICE on people only suspected of crimes. Adams' comments have already sparked criticism from city council members and the Legal Aid Society.
0: And Iowa National Guard troops and law enforcement officers, meanwhile, say they'll once again head to the U.S. southern border sometime this spring. Our National Guard is reaching out to the Texas National Guard. They are coordinating timing. There's probably going to be 25 governors that have committed to sending some troops and probably some law enforcement down to Texas. I think we're looking at the April time frame. That's Iowa's Governor Kim Reynolds. She says over 100 troops and law enforcement agents will be sent to support Border Patrol this spring. And Jack Cronin also tells us a group of military vets working to repair sections of the border wall.
1: The group known as Border Vets is using razor wire and sandbags to try and repair sections of the wall. Veterans Brett Christensen and Kate Monroe told the National Desk their group is trying to defend the country. They say the country's under attack and without any action from the President, Border Patrol or Congress, they're fighting back.
0: The U.S. Army is cutting 24,000 jobs. A new Army document saying the jobs are being cut as the Pentagon shifts away from the war against terrorism and instead focuses on countering Chinese and Russian forces. The job cuts will reduce the number of soldiers from an estimated 494,000 to 470,000. About 3,000 positions will be cut from special ops. The Army Chief of Staff telling reporters yesterday the reductions are not coming from areas that, in his words, are not going to make us successful on the battlefield. The nation's biggest nuclear weapons facility is being threatened now by a fast-moving wildfire in the Texas Panhandle. The Pantex plant is about 17 miles northeast of Amarillo, not far from the Smokehouse Creek fire, that grew from about 40,000 acres to 200,000 acres in just six hours yesterday and is now burning out of control. However, officials posting on X yesterday that personnel at the plant were building a fire barrier to protect the facilities and that all nuclear weapons on site are so far safe and unaffected. Mark Mayfield tells us Donald Trump is a winner of Michigan's Republican primary.
1: Trump easily defeated his main rival, Nikki Haley, in the state Tuesday after winning in her home state of South Carolina over the weekend. While Trump has essentially secured the GOP nomination, Haley has vowed to stay in the race, arguing both Trump and President Biden are unpopular among most Americans. President Biden, meanwhile, won the Michigan Democratic primary, but a significant number of voters cast an uncommitted ballot to protest his handling of the Israel-Hamas war.
0: Meanwhile, soon after those polls closed in Michigan yesterday, those uncommitted voters who were hoping for about 10,000 votes look like they would surpass 100,000 Democratic votes, perhaps even 150,000 votes. Political pundits saying that's a clear rebuke of the president's support for Israel and a major sign of trouble for Biden in a state that was decided by less than 11,000 votes in 2016. The so called Listen to Michigan campaign was led by and targeted toward Muslim, Arab American, young, and progressive voters who say they've grown disillusioned with Biden's handling of the war in Gaza. Hunter Biden is set to face a grilling on Capitol Hill today. The president's son will testify behind closed doors in the Republican led impeachment inquiry of his father. Republicans say they're searching for evidence Biden used his time as VP to benefit his family financially. Hunter's overseas business deals have come under scrutiny in the investigation. And Deanna Kodak tells us there's a strong and cold storm system moving into Northern California tomorrow. And it will continue into the weekend. This will be the coldest system of the season so far and with the most snow. Our snow levels will be falling down into the Sierra Foothill communities, So that's a difference from a lot of the warmer systems we've seen so far this season. Courtney Carpenter with the National Weather Service in Sacramento says there will be dangerous to impossible mountain travel and the potential for blizzard conditions at times Friday through early Saturday. Heavy snow and strong winds will likely combine to create power outages and downed trees. There's also a probability of a light dusting of snow down to around 1,000 feet on Saturday into early Sunday, impacting the northern Sacramento Valley as well. And speaking of the weather, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, tornado warnings, strong winds going out across much of the Midwest. Millions in the Chicago area were under tornado warnings last night as severe storms pounded their area. And warnings also issued in southwest Michigan where the National Weather Service is reporting 60-mile-per-hour winds and quarter-sized hail. Over 380,000 Toyota Tacoma trucks in the U.S. are being recalled due to an increased risk of crashing. Toyota announcing the recall yesterday saying welding debris left on the rear axle assembly can cause retaining nuts to loosen and fall off. And this, they say, could cause a part to separate from the axle, impacting the vehicle's stability and how it breaks. The recall includes certain 2022 and 23 Toyota Tacoma trucks. And Apple is canceling its electric car project. That, according to Bloomberg, which cited people with knowledge of the matter, the outlet reported the decision to end the project was disclosed yesterday to almost 2,000 employees working on that project. And finally in our newscast, it's only February, but sea surface temps down at the Atlantic hurricane alley are already hitting levels of summer. Brian McNoldy is a senior research associate at the University of Miami and calls this early season heat exceptional.
1: We've kind of fast-forwarded by three months or so. The ocean look like it's already the start of hurricane season, and it's not. We've just never seen the ocean this warm before for this time of year.
0: McNulty says if the warm temperatures continue into hurricane season, the region could see an above-average number of extreme storms, and the activity could begin earlier than June. It's a Wednesday morning, 14 minutes past the hour. We are so glad you're listening to EWTN. Check us out online, EWTN.com. And, of course, also our co-producer, Ave Maria Radio out of southeastern Michigan, AveMariaRadio.net. Now, speaking of Ave Maria, we are co-sponsoring a really cool event that we do every year with an amazing Catholic high school in Ann Arbor, which is literally right down the road from Domino's Farms, where we are located. And we call this a Familiaris Consortio. This one is 2024, Male and Female He Created Them, Responding to Gender Dysphoria in Truth and Charity. And one of the speakers for that event, by the way, that the speeches will be recorded. I realize we're on the air across the nation and around the world. But just to let you know about this, because it's a great event. And if you can't, obviously, or don't live in the Michigan or Ohio area, and can't make it over to Ann Arbor, you will have access to this later. Father Gabriel Richard High School is putting this on along with Ave Maria Radio, and among the speakers, our next guest. His name is John Bursch. He's a wonderful attorney standing up for life and for the Catholic Church, but he's also written the fantastic book published by our friends at Sophia, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. He is one of the speakers, and he joins us up next.
1: Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Estate planning gives our loved ones peace and time to mourn. At MyCatholicWill.com, a legal will is as simple as 15 minutes filling out information about your family. The standard cost is $79.95. However, thanks to our partnership with MyCatholicWill.com, when you use the promo code AVE, A-V-E, your will is absolutely free. No hidden cost whatsoever. Visit MyCatholicWill.com. If you have sustained conversation with non-Catholic Christians, one of the things that always comes up is why do you confess to a priest? Why would you go to a priest when you can go straight to God? I would say, I would say, well, look, I went to Jesus. I looked at His Word, and it told me to go to a priest. (laughs) It is interesting. One of the first things you notice right towards the end of the Gospel of John that Jesus Himself determined to forgive and retain sins through human intermediaries. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And Jesus commissioned his apostles on earth to speak in his name to forgive sins or retain sins, not just metaphorically, but metaphysically. Cresta in the afternoon. Weekdays from 4 to 6 on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net When the
0: need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels
2: provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care.
0: 18 minute fast the hour. It's a Wednesday, February 28th. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Connection, a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN. Always interesting and affirming to touch base with John J. Birch because he's such a warrior for us in the faith and really cares about people, which is why he wrote a really important book, I think, that will help all of us because at the end of the day, It's all about loving God and loving people. The name of that book is actually Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. And as I mentioned earlier, going into the break and at the top of the hour, he'll be one of our presenters at a beautiful event that we co-sponsor every year, Ave Maria Radio with Father Gabriel Richard High School, addressing this very issue of how do we help people with gender dysphoria and how do we deal with this on a larger scale as Catholic Christians because we're seeing this everywhere John, good to have you back on the program.
3: Always a pleasure to be here. Thanks.
0: A little background on John. He serves as VP of the Appellate Advocacy for Alliance Defending Freedom, the largest public interest law firm in the world. And as I mentioned, he's defending religious liberty, free speech, parental rights, marriage and family, and the right to life, arguing 12 cases in the U.S. Supreme Court, including cases defending the Catholic Church's teaching on marriage and sexuality. I could go on, but for the sake of time, I want to dive into some of the topics. We were talking during the break Big story on the wires this morning, and you were involved in this case, an Indiana law that prevents medical providers, and again the language here, they call it gender-affirming care for minors, is now in effect. The law signed by the governor was supposed to go into effect last year but was blocked after a lawsuit brought by several transgender youth, their parents, a doctor, and a health clinic, but now it goes into effect immediately. So, John, you were involved in that case, correct?
3: Yeah, this is great news. At Alliance Defending Freedom, we submitted a brief to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in support of the Indiana law, and it was a science brief, a medical and science brief, on behalf of numerous physicians and scientific researchers who talked in great detail about the dangers of giving puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgery to minors. You know, often we'll hear the lie um, when someone is confronted with a child who says that they're the opposite sex or, or whatever. Uh, they've declared a transgender identity, that it's better to have a live son than a dead daughter, you know, or Mm -hmm. or vice versa. And that's just not true because the best research that we have, um, particularly from Europe where this kind of medicine was pioneered, but now they've shut it all down, is that individuals who take these and go through a full transition end up with higher suicide rates.
0: Exactly. Loss
3: of fertility, loss of sexual function, brain problems, bone density problems, heart problems. Um, And and even for the the kids, you know, like just starting on the puberty blockers, the best studies show that it actually makes their mental health worse. And so these things are are dangerous and experimental, and uh, courts across the country are upholding these bills, which are now in place in 22 states. And so we're so glad to hear that Indiana can enforce theirs.
0: So what will you be covering at the symposium? Because this topic is, you could talk, we were talking during the break, uh, there's so many angles to this and and important issues to bring up within this whole topic, but what will you be focusing on at the symposium on Saturday?
3: Well, I I love to talk about the medical science, but we actually have a a doctor there, Dr. Paul Ruse from uh, Washington University in St. Louis, um, who's one of the nation's leading experts on this. And so I'm going to leave all the medical stuff to him. And I'm going to talk a lot about human anthropology and the way that the Church helps us understand who we are as human beings, and that God did not make us as souls trapped in our bodies such that our, our soul can express one thing and we can manipulate our bodies however we want, but instead that we are embodied souls, which means that our bodies express something about who we are, that the maleness and the femaleness that our bodies have is a reflection of who our souls are, and that that is an intentional gift that God gave us, one that we need to honor and respect.
0: How do you think, John, and by the way, if you're just joining us on Catholic Connection on a Wednesday, two segments this morning with John J. Burr. She is a Vice President of Appellate Advocacy for Alliance Defending Freedom, also an author, a speaker, a devout Catholic who defends the faith in in the public square in many ways. How do we get to the point where this is so accepted in our culture? And the language is super important. We can't ignore the semantics. When they use terms such as gender-affirming care. They do the same thing with the abortion argument in calling it reproductive health care. It always is, John, and you know this better than anybody, just the opposite of what they're proclaiming.
3: Well, we shouldn't be surprised by that because that's the way the devil works, that he takes what's good and what's true and what's beautiful, and he twists it and mangles it. You go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden and the way the serpent uh, tantalized them with the, the fruit. You know well is that what God really said to you that you couldn't eat of any fruit of the garden? Well, of course, you know God never said that, but he's he's asking Adam and Eve to give up their faith, give up their trust in God, and it's no different today with the way language is used and when you think about gender ideology and how it's kind of sweeping our culture right now and all the problems that it's causing um, it, it's really related to that very first sin where instead mm-hmm. of trusting that God has a plan which is best for our own flourishing that if we follow his will that everything will work out okay we want to take matters into our own hands we're going to decide for ourselves where we're going to go to school decide for ourselves what kind of profession we're going to have and even decide for ourselves what our body is going to be like and what it's going to express and so we're constantly reaching for that apple Teresa and gender ideology is just the latest manifestation of that
0: i'm just wondering and maybe some of these laws are obviously the laws are a very good sign that we're that we're starting to really protect especially the young people that are being inundated with these messages especially on social media when we're going to catch up even more strongly with europe because as you just said so many of these places who were gung ho in countries that are actually even more progressive than the united states have, have either stopped them or put the kibosh on them completely in many places and then there's people that are coming out of the woodwork These whistleblowers who are very into the whole transgender thing, thinking that they were doing good, who have come out and said, no, we're not doing what we promised we would do in terms of sitting down with these young people and even talking to them to find out what's going on in the first place.
3: Yeah. Well, on the first point, it's a tragedy that the American medical profession won't take its lesson from Europe, because Europe has two things going for it that we don't have when it comes to understanding these issues. First, they were the pioneers in this kind of care, if you want to call it that, as you said, and so they had a, about a decade head start on the United States. But in addition to that, because of their nationalized healthcare systems, they can actually track someone. So if someone gets this you know, gender transformation when they're a teenager, they can look at them when they're now, say, 30 years old and see what the results were. In the United States, because we don't have that, we're left sending out surveys to people and hoping that they respond, and those are inherently unreliable. And so those systematic long-term studies, Show that the the use of these things only increases mental health problems, increases suicide, you know, and all these other things, and that's why they are shutting down those these gender clinics in the UK, in Finland, in Denmark, in Sweden, yep. in Norway, and just, just across Europe. Um, and, and so we need to be taking that example and learning from it rather than ignoring it. Right.
0: More with John Birch, and we come back talking about the gender ideology. Speaking at a big event in southeastern Michigan this weekend. And those talks are going to be recorded, and we will uh, provide a link to you next week after they're up there and available for your listening information. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in to EWTN, the Global Catholic Radio Network. A beautiful book by our friend, Father Donald Calloway, Under the Mantle, Marian Thoughts from a 21st Century Priest. Of course, uh, Calloway is amazing in terms of understanding of of Mary and had so many powerful experiences with our Blessed Mother. You can order it today at ewtnrc.com. And Blessed Virgin Mary is a a central thread weaving a tapestry, he says, throughout. And there's plenty of quotes about our lady from saints, blesseds, and popes. And again, you can order this beautiful book, Under the Mantle, Marian Thoughts from a 21st Century Priest. By Father Donald Calloway. Order it today, ewtnrc.com. You can also order our guest book at our website as well. And we are talking with John J. Birch. He is an author. He's an attorney. He's a speaker, and he is, I would say, probably one of the best resources we have, especially from a Catholic perspective on this issue of gender ideology. So, John, I was telling you during the break, you know, my husband is is a deacon in the Catholic Church, and so he often gets notices, obviously, from the archdiocese ahead of before they're released. But there's a beautiful letter that was written. It's out there publicly now. I'm not uh, doing anything I I shouldn't be doing with this information. But a beautiful letter from our archbishop affirming uh, who we are as believers, made in the image and likeness of God, man and female. In addition to this beautiful letter he wrote about, helping people understand who they are and how beautiful they are made in God's image, that he's putting into place some pretty strong guidelines for the schools, making sure that the schools ensure that the kids are calling themselves by their sex and not by their personal pronouns or by their personal choices. So let's talk about the schools for a minute. This is an example, I think, of, of a lot of bishops and pastoral leaders who are putting out these kinds of letters, which I think are really, really helpful for people.
3: Oh, so helpful, um, and it was really one of the inspirations for the book. I, I wanted to highlight some of those bishop statements, the early ones, uh, because they were such good teaching tools. And, and I want to emphasize to everyone how right the archbishop is to focus on schools and making sure that we're helping kids understand their sexuality the right way. Because you'll hear some Catholics say, well, if someone wants me to use their preferred pronouns, I should do that, because it's disrespectful, it's not loving. What would Jesus do? Wouldn't he call them by the way they call themselves? And the answer to that is no, because if they're using a preferred pronoun that's different than their natal sex pronoun, that's telling a lie. And what we don't understand, unless we've really dived into the medical research, is that that itself is incredibly harmful to kids. That 80 to 95 percent of kids who are experiencing gender dysphoria, some dissonance between their body and their mind, will naturally desist and align their mind with their bodies if they're left to their own devices. Mm-hmm. But if we affirm them by giving them the preferred pronouns and allowing them to dress like the opposite sex and use the opposite sex as showers and the sports teams and things like that, nearly 100% of them will go on to continue experiencing gender dysphoria and then these medical interventions we've been talking about, which have such terrible results for them. And so you, you can't give in on pronouns. As soon as you do that, then the horse is out of the barn, and you're sending those kids down a terrible path.
0: Let me read a little bit from uh, the letter, and then there's also directions for those who are in positions of authority at schools and whatnot. Those who struggle with gender confusion are our brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of God, and beloved members of our communities. By virtue of each person's creation, the image and likeness of God is male and female, and the truth that God's plan for our holiness and flourishing is revealed through our bodies. All ministers of the church and the archdiocese, clergy, employees, and volunteers, students and registered youth program participants shall respect their God-given biological sex, but not limited to the use of personal pronouns, dress codes, bathrooms, and all other facilities. All documents and records shall reflect the person's God-given biological sex. Now, this seems so basic, right? And the fact that this archbishop, who's a wonderful archbishop, by the way, is very solid, but what I'm saying is the fact that so many leaders have to put this in writing is reflective of what's going on in our culture and our world.
3: Oh, absolutely. And that's because the messaging from media and especially from entertainment to our kids is absolutely insidious. You probably remember um, it was during Pride Month, I think two years ago, where Blue's Clues, a kids' television show that's kind of half um, real people, half animation, intended for three, four, five-year-olds, had a pride parade during the, the kids' show. Yeah. And on one of the floats was a family of beavers. And one of the, the kid beavers, had tape across her chest where her breasts had been removed as part of a transgender surgery. This is Ugh. a show for three, four and five year olds. So when these kids are getting it from that age, and then of course, you know, adolescents and teenagers, there's thousands of hours of transgender content on TikTok and on Instagram and um, Snapchat and things like that. Um, they're being fed constantly that message. And so it's our responsibility as a church, as parents, as educators, as members of the Christian community, to make sure that our kids are hearing the truth about the human body and the way that God made us, because they're certainly getting enough messages that go the opposite direction.
0: So, what do you think is the end game here with this particular uh, transgender agenda, John? What's their ultimate goal, do you think, those behind it?
3: Well, I I hate to suggest this, but I I don't think the pendulum has swung all the way yet. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better because the the transgender portion of this is just the first part in a transhumanism movement where you don't even have to identify as a regular human person in your body. And this is going to include changing your body through technology or surgery or other ways to truly shape ourselves the way that we want to be. It's going to be the the pinnacle of us that we're talking about, grabbing that apple and taking our body into our own hands rather than accepting the gift that God gave us. And so I I think we need to really dig in here because this is the beginning, not the end of that downward slide.
0: Well, we only have about two minutes left. In addition to buying your book, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology, what should we be doing as Catholics to, and as Archbishop Ingeron sent this letter to love people but to also bring them to the truth? And what can we do in our own way, in our own domestic church, in our own communities to make a difference with us, do you think?
3: Well, I think the key word is accompaniment because there are confused kids and confused adults out there who need the information, the education that we can provide if we've studied well and understood the teachings of the church and the medical community when it comes to these issues. Um, But we, we shouldn't demean or diminish in any way the severity of the problem of individuals who are experiencing gender dysphoria. It's a diagnosable mental health problem. It does lead to higher suicide rates, as many mental health issues do. And those individuals and their families need our love and our support and our prayers. We need to accompany them, walk alongside them. Um, many of these kids who are experiencing gender dysphoria have other issues. 60% mm-hmm. of them were sexually abused in some context. And so we need to get them into counseling and we need to, to show them love um, you know, to, to really be the, the medical hospital that Pope Francis talks about where we're reaching out and helping everyone, bringing them in and, and giving them the support they need so they can truly flourish as a son or daughter of God. And that's a big responsibility.
0: Yeah. John, thank you so much and uh, thank you for participating in the symposium this weekend. For those in the uh, Midwest area, if you're in Ohio, Michigan, Toledo, the Detroit area, Lansing, Ann Arbor, if you'd like to attend, you can go to our website, net. A number of experts are going to be speaking on this topic, and we do this every year with the wonderful Catholic High School, Father Gabriel Richard High School, located very close to us at Domino's Farms in southeastern Michigan. And, again, we'll give you the details uh, next week on where you can get the talks because we're working hard to record them to make sure we can put these talks out there to more than just the Michigan audience because the topic is so important. So, John, thank you for your work and all that you do at Lions Defending Freedom. But for the beautiful way you've written this book and, and really loving people, but we, if we love people, we have to give them the truth, and you do such a good job of this in the book.
3: Thank you so much.
0: All right, you have a great day, and uh, looking forward to seeing you on Saturday. John J. Birch, Vice President of Appellate Advocacy for Alliance of Defending Freedom. Check out his book again from Sophia, Loving God's Children, the Church and Gender Ideology. We go to Rome. Joan Lewis is up next. hour. Hope you're having a beautiful Wednesday, February 28th. Always great catching up with my sister, Joan's Rome. And she does such a great job, Joan Lewis, of covering all things Vatican and all things church. Okay, so uh, the inquiring minds want to know, how is the Holy Father feeling? Because it sounds like he did go keep one appointment today, but then had some tests done. But it's always a mystery with this press office, isn't it, Joni? Good morning.
2: Oh, it, it really is. Uh, sometimes we find out more about the Pope when he's given an interview to, you know, a, a journalist than we we find out from the press office. Right. It took an hour for the press office to come out with a one sentence statement um, <clears throat> on the Pope at the audience, leaving the audience afterwards, going to the Gemelli Isola Hospital um, on the island of uh, Tib- Tiburtina. Mm-hmm. And Tiberina, excuse me, and um the media had already we hadn 't published information, but on the WhatsApp site, everybody was going back and forth, they had their pictures, Rye television saw the Pope after the general audience, leaving the Vatican in a white um you know fiat five hundred, and somebody else was at the clinic on tiberina island the It used to it 's the Fatebani Fratelli that run this clinic. <clears throat> And actually, the uh, clinic itself was sold to the same, as my understanding is, the same people that run Gemelli Hospital. So they changed the name from the Fate Bene Fratelli, it was three or four words, hospital, to the um, <clears throat> Gemelli Isola Hospital, Isola meaning island. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so <clears throat> all sorts of stuff was coming up, but nobody wants to publish it until the Vatican says, hey, yes, by the way, this is what happened. And all of the stories, as they appeared in the WhatsApp site of of the Vatican East Journalists, they were all absolutely spot on. But um, what was interesting for me was going to the website after the audience, the first thing you see when Vatican News posts the uh, content or summary of the week's general audience, at the very top of the page is a video you can click on for the whole audience from the moment he arrives, uh, the Pope arrives, till the final moment when he's greeting bishops who have come, you know, to, to see him very briefly. And I didn't find that up, and I was a little concerned. And then it just took longer than usual. They eventually did did put up that video. So you can see the Holy Father. You can hear his voice. And he says, in Italian, I still have a bit of a cold. Therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm on senior from the Secretary of State will be uh, reading, he, he read the main catechesis and then all the summaries and the papal greetings in, um, in the different languages. So, we saw the Pope after the general audience and all the greetings actually go among the people and, you know, see brides and grooms and bless children and receive gifts from, from different people and, um, so it's, he, he looked good. It, when he was just sitting in his chair, Teresa, he didn't really look that good. Okay. Um, you know, there was just something about his face that wasn't, the, it was tired or, or whatever. But when he was with people, he was smiling and he greeted all the bishops who came up to him one by one. I think there were about 15 or so. And, um, so everything seemed okay until, as we've had in the past. You know the Pope after <laughs> went the audience going to a hospital, and that happened once before, and of course uh once he came back right afterwards, and another time he stayed <laughs> mm-hmm. and had surgery so but these um this visit to the Isola Gemelli Clinic Hospital was um just for a diagnostic test. that's all that the Vatican press office said so um but you know, I mean, you have to look back. On Monday, I said, on um, at home with Jim and Joy, um, looking back at the Pope's week of cancel. well, he'd been on retreat for the previous week, right? Mm-hmm. Sunday, the previous Sunday, uh, a- until last Friday afternoon. And then Saturday morning, you know, you don't see the Pope or hear him during that time. Then Saturday morning, the Vatican announced that the uh, priests from the Diocese of Rome, priests or deacons, that the Pope was supposed to speak to, that audience had been canceled because he had flu-like symptoms. All right, then we see a quick rebound, it seems, because Sunday the Pope appeared right uh, at his study window, you know, said the Angelus, and everything was fine, All all the usual greetings and things and appeals. And then Monday morning we get another piece of news, that because of the continuation of these flu-like symptoms, the Holy Father has canceled all his audiences. But then, about an hour after we got that press office release, <laughs> we got uh, we got one saying, and by the way, the audience you know will take place Wednesday from nine to ten. But here's my worry, and here's what I wrote on my blog, and what I said to uh, to Jim and Joy. I said the thing is the whole week that he was, well, whole week, from Sunday afternoon through Friday afternoon, the week of the uh, retreat, we didn't see or hear from the Pope or uh, obviously the press office on, on the Pope. There was no audience that week. So we have no way of knowing if for any part of that week, the whole week, half of it, the last three days, if there was any part during which the Holy Father felt unwell. Did he have flu-like symptoms? Was it a simple cold and a cough or something? So we have absolutely no way of knowing if last Saturday was the first day he was unwell or was it actually the third or fourth. And and then, see, you look at Saturday, you look at Monday, you have to look at today. We don't know what the Pope did in the Vatican yesterday. Usually Tuesdays are pretty quiet. He's kind of home writing and preparing, you know, for the Wednesday audience. So the health question just remains with a, uh, a question mark that seems to get bigger and uh, in bold print every time that we, you know, are looking at some papal event. Obviously. It's so hard, though, about this, and people well. need
0: to understand that when when you're a, a reporter, such as yourself who's covered the Vatican for years and knows how things work, when you don't get, you because you, you have to report on this and say, okay, then you have to go to other sources and double back and double check and, well, is this accurate? And then it's, it's very difficult because if it's not coming directly from the source, then it leaves yeah. the question of, okay, how much of this is actually accurate that I can confirm and run with? And so it's just a really, if they could just be so simple and, and give us something and say, okay, he's doing okay, you know, uh, move on, or he's going to be back. Why do they make it so complicated?
2: If I had the answer to that, I'd be a a, a very rich, well-known person. (laughs) But if I had, you know, but the the thing is, I could have posted. I had a very brief. um, I tweeted something very briefly. I don't remember when, but anyway, I probably could have done it two hours before, before the Vatican came out. But I'm waiting for official. Yes, this is what happened. And the funny thing, my main source, as it was for a lot of the other Vaticanisti journalists, my main source was ANSA, A-N-S-A. Right. It's uh, an Italian um, uh, official news agency. And they are just always on the mark. They are always checking things out. And I didn't have any doubt when I read the first report um, about, especially, about the Holy Father leaving Vatican City in a white Fiat 500. Um, I just had absolutely no doubt. And when they said where he was going, that obviously meant one of two things. Somebody, I know Rai TV, um, the state-owned television, they uh, might have followed the car. So the, this car comes out of the Vatican, and maybe they followed it, and oh, my gosh, he ended up here at Tiberina Island at this um, hospital. So, and by the way, it's known um the Fate Beni Fratellis are known for part of that hospital, or most of it, being a dental clinic, interestingly enough, mm. so if you need severe work, dental work done, that's the place to go yeah. but um, you know you're right to leave us in when the people closest to the Pope can say, yes, you know this is exactly what happened, and um. You could see him on on the stage at the audience hall. So nobody can doubt what happened in that hour of of television uh, of the televised audience. But it is the afterwards thing, especially because it's his health. It's not right. Like he was going. He was going to do a a silent, under the radar visit to a house of nuns celebrating an anniversary. Right. Remember, he used to have those Fridays. The right locals. mercy friday's which we haven't seen in a while of course mm-hmm. not, not since he's pretty much you know been in a wheelchair he was wheeled in this morning to the audience and but whereas last week for example he he walked into the audience hall but
0: um, it's so, so frustrating it, it just, though because this is how rumors are started and you would never do a rumor because you're you're exactly. a true journalist but this is how the media get something and they make their own assumptions and then they pick and choose and they put this stuff out there and 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 this is why and i just do not understand the mentality, I mean, part of it, and you know I love my people, but they drive us crazy. You try to get anything done with the government in Italy, <laughs> forget about it. You know, it, 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 it's like getting. I try to get an act of Congress passed. But this is serious stuff. This is the the, the the leader of the of the world's largest organized religion. This is the Pope, the Vicar of Christ. And okay, so you don't have to give us every single detail, but people do want to know because they care about their leader and people outside the church care about the Pope. Just give us some basic I, who, what, where, when, why, and how, for crying out loud.
2: I know. And you and I both know that it is uh better to be second and right than first and wrong. Exactly. Um, you know, in, in reporting a story. And the thing is, I found it on ANSA, the wire service, because they had published it. You know. They they it was out there publicly. Um, I probably can find the time if if I look hard enough. It was out there publicly long before um, you know, anything came out in the Vatican. So, um, and you're totally right. This is where if somebody publishes something, you know, maybe without that official stamp of approval from a, a White House or a, you know, a Vatican, um, if you don't publish anything at all or you delay, while well, well, nine other, or 90 other members of the mass media have gone out there with something and you delay. Right. And um, Or different stories are coming out. Well, they're coming out because nobody has any facts uh, on which to work. No, uh, you know, no official information, so...
0: And then um, we then we spend the time trying to figure out if the Pope's okay as opposed to concentrating on his audience message. So they're shooting themselves in the foot in terms of evangelization, but apparently that they don't seem to realize yeah.
2: that. Well, I, my, I have kind of two questions, too, because between um, last Saturday's uh, Alert About His Health, Monday's Canceled Audiences, and then what happened today... Um, they have used the words in the previous official things, a flu-like symptoms, right. mm-hmm. And then today the Pope himself said, I still have a cold and yep. can't speak, mm-hmm. and so I'm asking, you know, my collaborator to help me out. Well, um, uh, is there a difference between a cold and a flu? I'm guessing, you know, we don't have to go to the CDC for that. But um, I also wondered why. The Pope, if he had either one or the other, why he was circulating, meeting the bishops afterwards, fine. They're on stage, they come up, they want to meet him, uh, and if they're, you know, not afraid of contagion, then they do it. But they go meet him. But to be with little children and, you know, young folks, married folks, teenagers and other people in the audience today, how he had group pictures taken with a choir and... um, A group from I don't know where else, because there was no caption, gave him um, kind of a, I couldn't tell what it was. It looked like an enormous flag that they were trying to put on his shoulders. So Mm -hmm. I saw the pictures, but why would you allow the Pope either to be out there and possibly, you know, if you've got a cold, pass it on to somebody else, or have somebody in the audience be worse off than you are <laughs> and right, and that person spreads I mean it's just silly, but uh the Pope is back i, I oh, heavens forbid if we didn't say this, he did go to that hospital for a checkup, but he right. came back to the Vatican, arriving about twelve fifteen so yeah, and it looks like he's know.
0: keeping his impo- his appointments too this weekend it said right
2: i beyond today, I don't know, I mean okay.
0: I'm just looking at I'm just looking at the Vatican news story. It says that he is going to be keeping his appointment with. Uh, I think you've got some reps from Germany coming in. Um, let me see this here. Yeah, oh, the German Chancellor okay. Schultz, is coming in on Saturday. So I guess it's. But you know, again, I mean, the reason we're talking about this is because this shows you. It's important to mention this because this shows you what journalists who are serious about, as Joan is, covering the Pope and covering these issues. The length that we have to go. People think it's so glamorous and so easy. Well, it's not. It's a lot of hard work to report accurately, and that's actually why we have Joan on every week. All right, my dear, great talking to you, and we will talk again next week. Can't believe we'll be talking in March, believe it or not. February is almost over. And have a great weekend, and we'll be right back on Catholic Connection on a Wednesday. Stay tuned.
2: Every woman deserves specialized health care. At Arbor Women Health, our team of compassionate professionals listen to our patients and want to understand what they're going through. They serve everyone from teen girls to seniors. Our faith-based clinicians specialize in obstetrics, gynecology, fertility awareness and crisis, or unexpected pregnancies. Call 734-930-4020 or visit arborwomenhealth.org. Arbor Woman, faith-inspired, dignity-affirming health
1: care. Dr. Ray Garendi. What is criticism exactly? If you pay close attention, do you notice what most criticism is? Oh, it's not because you're doing something wrong or hurtful, something that needs corrected. Most criticism is, you're not doing it the way I would do it or you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. That's what most criticism is. And you have to get good at sorting that out. Otherwise, you're gonna get real upset when anyone says anything about what you are doing. Now, of course, you could turn this on yourself. Do you do that? Is most of your criticism a message to someone else that says you're not doing it the way I would do it? Well, save your criticism for things that are really wrong. On the next epiphany. Let the light of your holy face
0: shine on us, and in your mercy, save us. This is a prayer to the holy face of Jesus. Vanessa Denhagarmo here. Father John Linden from St. Andrew Parish in Saline joins us for Parish of the Week Wednesday. And Don Hawkins, CEO of the National Center of Sexual Exploitation, will share some very important information.
1: Epiphany, weekdays at noon, on Ave Maria Radio.
0: It's a Wednesday. Tomorrow, because it's a leap year, we actually have February 29th. Seems kind of weird, right? Almost done with the month of February. Do hope your Lent is going well. Please stay tuned to all of our great programming here on Catholic Connection and EWTN all day long. And good Lord willing, we'll talk to you tomorrow on a Thursday. Ademani. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit avemariaradio.net. That's a v e maria radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.